and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of your favorite podcast, The Other Identity, hosted by the one and only, the great Landis, and of course, my stalwart companion, Professor Awesome. Hello. So we're going to be low energy. Wow, could you have been any more excited trying. I'm trying to set the bar for the fact that even though this is the greatest podcast in the galaxy, and even though we love doing it, both of us are feeling a little... Under the weather this week. It doesn't matter, Ben. You gotta, you gotta tap it. into your. You gotta tap into your inner Hugh Jackman and channel the greatest showman. Okay. All right. Well, look. You see what I just did there. I, yeah. And like, did you like all that? There was a lot of fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, but uh-huh. look, I am. I have been feeling crappy for the last couple of days, but I am fully, fully, fully expecting that a half hour or more of getting to chat with my buddy, the Great Landis, about the comic books we love and the comic books we hate is going to. It's going to rocket my health and my happiness back into the stratosphere. Let's hope so. I, yeah, the pressure's on now. <laughs> it's on you to get well, it done, baby. Yeah. Here's where we're starting today. As usual, we're going to talk a little bit about what we have been yeah. reading, and I was able to uh, finish up Marjorie's Black Widow. Of course, mm-hmm. I started with The Name of a Rose and then went into... I like how you just use Hill. Marjorie like you guys are buddies. Marjorie <laughs> Liu, the writer... Who is actually like, an old friend of mine? So that's I like. I like to think we are. We've never spoken, me and Marjorie, I feel, but I bet we'd be best friends. You would. I can guarantee you that because she's a lovely Excellent. person, and uh, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, honestly, I think the, the the most disappointing thing about her run was how quickly it ended. Yeah. I think when I had seen that she had done eight issues, I thought that maybe it was just like a very like short, limited run. So after the kiss of a or, or, or the name of a rose, I you're going to say kiss another, from a rose. I was. I was. I was going to put them together. Um, but to see In that Batman Forever came, mode, aren't we? Yeah. You're, that, arguing that, uh, you're arguing about it with people on Discord, so now you're just going to name songs from Batman Forever. Was that a song from Batman Forever? Seal's Kiss from a Rose on the Grave was the best part of Batman Forever. <laughs> oh, see, I, I just put the, the name of Rose and Kiss or no, Kill no, together. No, no. That's all that was. All good. Um, but anyway, uh, so when I finished Kiss or Kill, which was another great story, yep. by the way, not as powerful as what... Um, the name of a rose yeah. If I was. recall, Kiss or Kill was by uh, Dwayne Swarzynski, who is another super talented writer. But yeah, he he kind of oh, came in. Oh, Kiss or Kill, not 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 Marjorie. It was not Marjorie. Well? Kiss and Kill. Uh, Dwayne oh. Dwayne Swarzynski comes in. If it, if it felt different, that's why is because it was a different writer for those last two issues. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's, it's not even that, that that it felt too much different. It was it, it just wasn't as as personal mm-hmm. of a story. I think to Natasha. Right. Um, but then when that ended, um, it had set something up. So I'm like, all right, obviously this wasn't just like a limited run type deal. And obviously it, it, it went on. Um, but uh, I decided to end it there after Kiss or Kill because up next on my list is I really want to get into Kelly Thompson's Black Widow. You're on so, a Black uh, Widow kick, dude. And you know what? That's, I that's just, the next one. Did you know I read this week when I was just kind of uh, scouring for news for the show that um, Black Widow has been moved all the way until next May? Yes, because it I know will it actually debut. Yeah, on the same day that Iron Man two debuted, and we saw Black Widow on screen for the first, first time, time in Iron Man two. That's amazing. But yeah, I was just uh, I was I, I realized I hadn't heard anything in a while about Black Widow or about Eternals or anything coming up from the MCU. So I decided to do a quick bit of digging. I think at some point they either they quietly announced it or I just haven't been paying attention. You yep. yeah you just weren't okay it. fair enough. It, it, by the time that comes out, we'll be we'll have been almost two years 
without well, uh, a major MCU movie release. Crazy. Obviously, we'll, we'll have WandaVision by then. And now but, uh, on the is. docket for next year, we have Black Widow, we have Shang-Chi, we have Eternals, and we have a new Spider-Man movie. We're going to get four Which... MCU movies next year. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that we'll get Spider-Man really? in 2021. Okay. I think we'll get it early 2022. It actually starts filming in New York, I think, next no month. No kidding. Wow, yeah. I wonder if they'll do a... Uh, I wonder if it's going to be post-apocalyptic, because that's still what New York looks like right now. Well, we will be talking a little bit more about that in our third segment here today. But, uh, Ben, you've been, you've been reading some uh, Deathstroke, right? Yeah, and I wanted to talk about Deathstroke. I, I've slowed down considerably the last two weeks, you may have noticed. Is, is this the like, rebirth Deathstroke still? This is still Rebirth Deathstroke, and I've been um, – I'm, I'm going a lot more more slowly, which I'm sure is driving you even more nuts. But I'm, – I'm, I'm giving you time to, like, catch up even. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be anywhere near because now it's like <laughs> with school in full session and teaching and everything and also grad school just kicking my butt, I, I'm down to, like, one to three comics a day. Uh, whereas Ooh. at my peak, I was at five, six. So, yeah, it's like reps. I'm just not getting as many reps in. But – very much digging Deathstroke by Priest, the writer, who uh, I have read previously on Black Panther. And as a result, I kind of had a sense of how he, he has a very set way, set style that he does things. It's always jumping around in terms of time. It's always using those narrative boxes. So kind of cool in the sense that Deathstroke for me was just a character I knew as like a villain in uh, whether it's in New Teen Titans or Identity Crisis or even on Arrow, the TV show, kind of just always the bad guy. So I had never read a uh, story really with Deathstroke as the protagonist, and I'm enjoying Priest's take on him as being kind of this, he's really, really good at his job and not very good at anything else, which I yeah. like. And I think that's a really interesting approach, this idea that, yeah, he can he can kill, hunt anybody. But when it comes to relating to his daughter, he's terrible. Um, or when it comes to keeping his marriage together, can't do it. So I'm intrigued by that. I really liked the art in the first couple of issues by Carlo, Carlo Pagulayan. And I know he got switched out with Joe Bennett, who's another artist I like. He's, our, of course, our, our, our artist from uh, Immortal Hulk, which we both loved. But those early issues artistically probably were a little bit of a higher bar for me. I got a couple more issues to go in this first Rebirth arc, and then I'm sure I'll continue on. But so far, more positive on Deathstroke than uh, the negative, for sure. Well, um, I actually don't want to spend too much time here uh, talking about what we've been reading because our, our first segment coming up here, we got quite a bit to do. Yeah, we got a lot. So come up here in just a second. We're going to talk about Maximum Carnage. We both finally finished. This time, I was the one clocking in. Mm. Uh, uh, second, yep. and then giving you a little bit of a, a, a sort of essential Spider-Man reading uh, from uh, from our own uh, personal list. So don't go anywhere. That's coming up next. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, we have an unprecedented outbreak. Thousands of us walking the earth. We might die at any moment. Because we're under attack. In which case, we must act fast. Doctors are trying their best. Working long hours and always sacrificing their health to protect you. Well, I'd very much like to thank them. Thanks, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Wait a minute. What's the prognosis? It's still changing. So we have a novel virus and no vaccine at this time. What should we do? We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. In other words... This is our lockdown, right? What that means is... Stay in your homes. Make no attempt to reach loved ones. 
and take a long nap. You can count me out. You can count me out, too. Some people are immune to good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Those idiots. I just need to make sure you fully understand. Let's recap. I'm begging you. Stay inside. Wash your hands. And make sure you've got 10 feet of personal space around you. Stay away from me. Stay away from me. Uh, uh, uh. I didn't hear you wash your hands. So think on this, lads. When you're home watching TV. Think about the medical stuff. Working for you. So I'm asking you. Stay home. I'm in isolation. Just stop the virus. All right, I'll do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You stay classy, planet Earth. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you all personally from the bottom of my heart once again for downloading The Other Identity and uh, enjoying some time with us here today. Now, uh, we had mentioned a while ago, Mm. uh, Ben and I had started a Maximum Carnage read, which was, uh, I believe, chosen by your Twitter followers. It was. It was chosen by the Twitter followers. And for once, this is one that I breezed through relatively quickly, and uh, you actually lagged behind. It was a slog, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't have a lot of good things to say so about it. So let's give a quick bit of context. Maximum Carnage is a multi-part Spider-Man story from the 90s. It ran through all four Spider-Man titles, as well as Spider-Man Unlimited. It focuses on Carnage, the most 90s of villains, um, basically going on a rampage in New York City with a bunch of other crazy villains. Spider-Man having to team up with Venom and assortment of random Marvel characters to stop him. I was a kid when I read this for the first time. I assume this is the first time you've read this? Yes. It did not, not live up to my memories. I I had very fond memories of this thing. I will say that a lot of those memories are fueled by the fact that there was also a really good Maximum Carnage video game that came out. Yeah, a lot of people talked about it. Yeah, the video game was awesome, and I almost feel like it makes sense because... Uh, video games in the 90s were pretty plot light and pretty just if you can go in and fight and have fun. I, I don't think this, mm-hmm. this this would hold up as a video game today where we have, you know, obviously much more storytelling. But yeah, man, this this story just uh, just landed with a thud for me and was really, really tough to get through. Yeah, I think the two big things that that really drove me out of it because because it had some decent moments, mm-hmm. right? And and I and I think as a as a concept, it was fine. Right. And had this maybe been shortened to like a four or five issue yes. event, it might have been fine. But the two things that really ground against me that that I just could not get past the first was almost every single issue of seeing Mary Jane. Uh, just you know, hating isn't really the right word, but but constantly nagging about how Peter's out there risking his life. Yeah, like he's Spider-Man. Right. That's what he does, and you know he's Spider-Man. And the fact that you want him to just stop being Spider-Man for just just for two weeks, not entirely. I know you have to save people, but just don't save people for two weeks. Like something about that just oh, that was I, I that was kind it. of a staple of this period of Spider-Man comics, like Mary Jane. Ugh. Look, I, I get what they're doing. It's soap opera, right? They're trying yeah. to create tension, and as they're a married couple, now you can't. I think that the the writers of the '90s were hampered by the fact that well, we can't do the soap opera of he's dating you know Gwen or Mary Jane. Who's he going to choose and all that? He's with Mary Jane. So how do we create tension? And their idea of creating tension was to go with this. But I remember as a kid. I was not a Spider-Man fan as a kid, and this was one of the reasons, was because mm-hmm. I just, yeah, Mary Jane, I love her as supportive. We see her in the modern comics as there's always that element of, yes, I'm concerned about you, I'm concerned that you're going out as Spider-Man, but I understand this is what you need to do, and I support you. That kind of shrewish, um, you know, you got to choose between me or being a hero, yeah, that never that never played well. See, and... and- 
I understand that you need to still have that drama there, but they could have also used her in the same way that they were uh, pitting uh, Aunt May against Peter's uh, parents, because that I thought worked very well. The Aunt May's right. like, you know, stay true to your ideals. You don't have to sink to their depths. And, you know, his father's like, no, you absolutely do. If you want to fight the monsters, you have to be willing to go just as far as they they were. And what would have been really interesting if Mary Jane would have been on that wavelength mm. as well. She understands how dangerous Carnage is and knows that if you're out there trying to stop him, not actually, like, end him, but just stop him, he's going to keep going harder and faster than you. You have to change it up. That could have been a very very interesting dynamic between the two. And to kind of switch to a point you just made, my other big problem with this, and I don't know if this is your same second problem, was Carnage was just kind of lame. Um, he wasn't very scary. And I know this hurts because I just read Absolute Carnage, which just came out. And But what I liked about Absolute Carnage is it was a true horror story. This is a terrifying serial killer villain. And it felt like in this story, it's like, well, we want to do a scary villain, but... We can't get too scary. So uh-huh. they're not showing anything. He's cracking jokes all the time. He just wasn't threatening. Jokes. Terrible jokes. Terrible yeah. jokes. The only thing I will say that I that I really enjoyed about revisiting the story was it was cool to go back and see the art because it was by some really like classic Spider-Man artists. Uh, you had Mark Bagley in there. You had Sal Buscema in there. Some guys who really – and I know that your, your, your mileage might vary because you're not as – into vintage art as I am, but getting uh-huh. to see kind of this older style and how they approach Spider-Man, that was kind of cool for me. No, I, I could definitely appreciate the art uh, uh, for sure, especially the way that Venom is drawn in comparison to uh, to Carnage. I think that, you know, as like the first two sort of uh, uh, original symbiotes, just, just the way that they're both alike but different, I've always thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. But to your point, uh, the other thing besides Venom not being scary Carnage when he should not be, being scary. Uh, uh, Carnage, yeah, sorry, right. Carnage not being scary when he should be, is is the the thing that really ground against my gears. I think I've, I've you've used that, that that's term twice, way, way, twice, way yeah. too much. Twice yeah, so but it's, it's, just, it's just grating. Uh, we talked about this. We did a whole episode about this before, yeah. and that's how some heroes refuse to kill, and that's fine. But <sighs> when you have Peter saying everyone deserves a chance. You know, we can't kill uh, Cassidy. You know, he's just as innocent when you think about it. And then you look back and he's killed hundreds of people. Like at some point, even if Peter can't be the one to do it, I feel like I feel like he should at least be like, all right, look, I can't do it. But if that's what you need to do. Like, leave it to someone else. Yeah. And like actually, Venom, I was thinking right last there. night. Yeah, like Venom. What I was thinking last night would have actually would have been so much better. Because that last issue, when it's like, all right, we defeated him. Oh, he died. Nope, he's back just for one more issue. Absolutely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But what would have been really great, what I think would have really probably turned this around for me, is if at the end, if Peter had decided, or if he had put in the impossible situation where he had to choose maybe between, you know, killing Carnage or saving, or, or and saving um, uh, 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 Black Cat, mm-hmm. who showed up right there at the end. Right. If he had gone through with it, actually thought, there, I did it, I, I killed Carnage, but obviously we know that Carnage can't really die. He always somehow comes back. Sure. If they would have let him believe that he had and killed, had to live with that, go through with right. it, then he had to live with yeah. it. Now, if Cassidy comes back, which we you know knew that he would in that in that last issue, he didn't actually do it, right? So he there would be some way you know through maybe a later story or some time where he'd be able to come to grips with mm-hmm. it. But I think that that would have just been way more. Uh, 
I don't know, way more powerful than him just sticking to his guns and creating a kindness cannon or whatever it was that they did in that second to last. Episode. It was really tough that the whole gimmick of this story is basically Carnage unleashed like never before. So they keep saying, referencing like, yeah, he's killed hundreds of people. All these people are riding all this terrible stuff's happened because if you keep amping that up and ratcheting it, then it really does make Spider-Man look like kind of a jerk. Um, yeah. for not doing anything. I will say my favorite moment of the entire story probably is when, because it was just so well paced and written is that moment when Spider-Man is like down and out and you see Captain America's gloved hand reach out to him and he picks him up. Oh. And I was like, Captain America is the best character in this story. Okay. Far first away. of all, I was actually thinking that right as we were about to get into this yeah. segment is I don't think that there is any moment in Marvel canon that will get your blood pumping as much as an unexpected Captain America. Absolutely. It happened in one of uh, it happened in one of uh, Saladin's um, uh, uh, Miles Morales's mm-hmm. as well, where he just kind of shows up out of nowhere, and he's just you know, and it's always that like view of like looking up at him, his arms stretched out, like "Come on, kid, get up. We got work to do." And it's just like, "Yeah, let's go, Cap." Hundred mm-hmm. percent agree. So. With uh, Maximum Carnage now in our rearview mirror, uh, you know we thought it'd be cool to maybe uh, give people some suggestions of some uh, some essential Spider-Man rings, some stuff that they would probably enjoy all the way through. And uh, I know that we have our list here, and it really shows you the difference between you and oh, I. Oh, absolutely! That's what I was list, thinking last night. When your list is all like, here is the writer, here is the artist, and then mine is just like, here's the story. <laughs> Well, yours is also all from like the last 10 years, and I I wanted to go a little bit further back and try to dig some stuff. But I'll just start off by saying that, again, context. I was not a Spider-Man fan as a kid. I never really understood the appeal of Spider-Man. I came to Spider-Man as an adult. And as a result, because I was reading as an adult, I went back re- went back and read those original stories, the Stan Lee, Steve mm-hmm. Ditko ones. And because I was a little bit more of a mature reader, I think I was able to appreciate them, which sounds funny because I think they were intended for kids. But I think I was able to say, as a kid, I would have been like, oh, these stories are old and lame. And as an adult, I was able to say like, no, I get why Spider-Man, like there's no, there's no stories that are going to give you an idea of why Spider-Man has been a successful character for decades and decades better than those original Stanley Steve Ditko stories. Particularly, I'll, I'll throw out um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1, which is Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six for the first time. Mm. I just think it's such a... It's such a great story. It shows you why Spider-Man's special. Um, you know, if I'm going to recommend one Spider-Man comic, it's probably going to be Ultimate Spider-Man. But if you no, are easiest one to get into, but if well, you are somebody who's read a few Spider-Man comics and you're looking to be a little bit more of a comic book historian, do yourself a favor, go back and read that early stuff. Uh, obviously, you know, one of the first ones that I would throw out there, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, like you yeah, said, uh, specifically Death of Spider-Man, right. which I've talked about. On way too many episodes, so if you're new to this episode and you want to know why I love it so much, go back. you have to go back and, and check out some of our past episodes. But uh, obviously Death of Spider-Man leads into Miles Morales, and one of my favorite stories, and, and, and I wish that I had the issue for you, but in one issue, it actually starts out with Peter somehow back yep. alive again fighting Mysterio, and Mysterio does something that rips open a hole that goes into Miles's world, and it's right at a very pivotal time where Miles is really struggling as Spider-Man to fill those shoes, you know, that Peter left behind. So I'm going to help you out. And I'm going to help you out, buddy. It's a, uh, it's a story called, it's actually a separate limited series called Spider-Men. 
Um, uh-huh. And that is the Peter Meets Miles Mysterio yep. story written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, the creator of both. That explains it. Of Brian both, yep, Michael Bendis. Creator of both Ultimate Spider-Man as well as Miles Morales. So there you go. Track down Spider-Man. It's, it's a great, great story. And, and just being able to see those two interact with each other is, is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick hits. Other stuff I would recommend. Uh, there's a story from the 80s called Craven's Last Hunt, which probably, if you're a comics fan, you've heard of, but may not have explored it. It's uh, by J.M. DeMatteis and Mike Zeck. It's beautiful. It's it's different than most other Spider-Man stories in the sense that it's very dark and bleak, but it does tell an amazing story, and it also shows you why Craven was actually a great character at one point. You know, the, uh, and, and there are so many people, our friend Norris included, mm-hmm. who hates the idea of Craven being put into the MCU. Right. Because I think on his face, in general, he does seem like a silly yeah. character. But if you take a story like that, cast Carl Urban oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as Craven. Did you text me done. that? It's done. I don't I know where did. that came from. I, I saw it Someone somewhere. Someone said that to me, uh, and I think yeah. you shared it with me. But yeah, <laughs> Craven's Last yeah. Hunt is great. And then also... Um, I'm a big fan. It was while I was working at Marvel that Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man, which lasted, God, like almost 10 years. Um, I don't have the issue numbers, but it stretched from about 2008 to 2018. And it was just... Dan is the biggest Spider-Man fan I have ever known. And he was so happy. He was a kid in the candy store. He did so much cool, innovative stuff. I know that not everyone likes his Spider-Man run. I don't understand why. I think it's some of the best Spider-Man stuff out there. Uh, and then the last one that I'll recommend, I haven't got to read it myself, but uh, normally when I just see headlines of comics, they seem really silly, and I'm like, why would anyone read that? Uh, the one exception uh, exception to that, yes, was the Spider-Geddon stuff mm, yeah. that happened. I feel like every time I saw or read anything about Spider-Geddon, it just looked like so much fun. Yeah, I just read that recently, actually, and it was quite good. And I'll, I'll throw another one on there is Spider-Geddon is the sequel to Spider-Verse. Which, ah, which exactly. was also the story that kind of set up the movie into the Spider Verse. So, and and that's and that ties back to my last suggestion because Spider Verse is a Dan Slott story, and then Spider Geddon was the sequel written by Christos Gage, another fantastic Spider Man writer. So, those are some good ones to get you started. And that also serves as a great segue into our third segment because is the Spider Verse coming to the Sony slash Marvel MCU? It might be. Find out next. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team, or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Thank you for sticking with us, everybody. Appreciate it. As always, if you haven't done your due diligence yet and recommended to a friend, even if it's the same friend that you've been pestering time and time and time again, let them know about the other identity. Send them the link. Tell them to download it and give it a listen. And then argue about points that we bring up. For our final segment here today, we, of course, have news that Jamie Foxx is going to be returning to... Spider-Man in Spider-Man 3 few, as few pieces Electro. of Spider-Man movie news could have surprised me more than Jamie Foxx is coming up. Maybe if they had yep. said um, maybe if they had said they were bringing back a character from Spider-Man 3 
because that's the only other one I can think that's that's reviled. Like Topher Grace uh-huh. is going to be Venom again, but Ugh. man, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Don't don't count I, it I'm out not. because that, along with another piece of news that literally happened. Like, an hour before we started recording, maybe you haven't even seen this I yet. I certainly haven't. I have no idea what you're talking Doctor about. Doctor Strange is confirmed to be appearing in Spider-Man 3 oh. in a mentor role to Peter. Now, following the multiverse of madness, uh-huh. knowing that we're getting Jamie Foxx as Electro, and the fact that Jamie Foxx on his Instagram had put out a picture, it was fan art, of the three Spider-Men. Um, obviously, Tom Holland, uh, uh, um, Andrew, Gar- Andrew Garfield, and Andrew Garfield. It was like them looking off into what was supposed to be like Spider Verse, blah blah, gotcha. whatever. He had tweeted that out and basically saying, you know, big things are coming. You have no idea. So, like in some capacity, I'm pretty sure we're getting the Spider Verse. Yeah. Now, the one thing that we can, I think, counter Lucky Stars is that Jamie Foxx said he will not be blue. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think he's going to be that Electro. Yeah. Um, if I had to, if I had to put a guess out there as to why Jamie Foxx is is being cast as Electro again, I would guess that maybe he had signed a deal to appear as Electro a few times, and instead of you know potentially breaking that contract for whatever reason, this was Marvel's or, or sorry Sony's way of maybe fulfilling that contract. Could be. I mean, I also just maybe. think it's fun. Um, it's fun to pick up sure. a casting from a movie that maybe not everyone loved and see if they can. They can turn it around. Um, just a few few points of clarification. Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness is going to be after Spider-Man Three. So, are we sure? Is it? Yeah, it's not on the books until uh, later in 2022, um, along with Thor: Love and Thunder. To my understanding, so I think this comes first. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, please shoot me out on Twitter. I'm sure Robbie will pile on. Um, but I love the <laughs> idea of Doctor Strange being the mentor. I think. Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberbatch's chemistry in the Avengers movies is dynamite. I, I, I think I'd prefer that to the Nick Fury thing. I think I, I've, I've said before in Spider-Man Far From Home, one of the parts I didn't enjoy that much was I didn't like the Nick Fury-Peter Parker relationship, even though I know it's great in the Ultimate Universe. Um, you know what else is cool, though, is that Sam Raimi is confirmed to be directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So That's right. I wonder yeah. if he would have... And it's just, it feels like Sony and Marvel are really going out of their way to lean into this multiverse idea, which I think is great because I think as you look at your movie universe, you've got to, you've got to come up with different spins and stuff like that. At this point, they've done the biggest story they could ever do with Infinity War and Endgame. And the only way to do it... I don't know. I think Secret Wars could be... That's what I'm saying. The only way to... I'm saying they've they've done what we thought of as the biggest. The only way to do anything bigger is to start reaching out into that multiverse. And as we saw with uh, DC on CW with Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's fun. Whether you loved or hated Crisis on Infinite Earths, the coolest part was seeing those characters coming back to play characters they'd already played. And that's... Well, and... and, and Opening up the multiverse as well, I think, is the best for both Marvel and Sony right. because now it allows Sony to do their own thing if they want to, try to bring in characters that maybe Marvel isn't ready for or isn't willing to whisk or, or risk the canon of their universe just yet. And if it ends up doing well or down the road they want to cross over, they easily can and kind of allows them both to share Tom Holland as Spider-Man right. without you know destroying whatever plans it is that they have going. So I... Early on, I may have poo-pooed mm-hmm. it, but honestly, I think that this is probably the smartest and safest decision that the two of them could do 
uh, going forward. I'm just looking forward to seeing how it plays out because I we don't really have a, a we don't have a Marvel precedent for how this works for looping mm-hmm. in past films and just the uh, the idea that this opens up. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to speak out of school here and say like they could do something similar with X Men, but the idea that you could potentially incorporate all those old X-Men movies like that's that's pretty cool to me as, as a nerd and as a comic book fan this is the type of stuff that really gets me excited yeah and obviously you know there have been tons and tons of rumors uh you know already we've heard rumors that they want to bring Charlie Cox in as Daredevil yeah. which I don't know how that would fit in at this point but if they are actually going to start filming uh next month uh we should start getting stuff like you know set photos and more concrete rumors coming out so very excited to see what ends up developing and as we all know tom holland is very loose-lipped about things he's not supposed to be anyway so he could go and give us something to talk about here pretty Mm -hmm. soon any second now but i think that's we're going to end it guys that will be it for today but the last thing that i want to ask of you when you hear this episode is i want to know what do you want to see out of Spider-Man 3. We know Jamie Foxx's Electro is going to be there. We now know that Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is going to be in there somehow. What exactly would you like to see come out of Spider-Man 3? Let us know. But until next time, make sure you can catch us right here on the same Other Identity channel at the same Other Identity time.